world today that is so divided due to various reasons. There are different opinions, there are different ideas, there are various beliefs, of course religion, race and nationality and various other factors, they are good enough, more than enough to bring enough division among people. Christianity is so divided due to different beliefs even within Christianity even though we follow the same Bible. Even within the same denomination or within the same church we all believe a set of faith statements or belief statements even though we believe a, a certain set of standard biblical principles and values still there are division. Such divisions are not really based on definite things. Definite things are the ones which we laid down already. But certain divisions, most of the time, such divisions are because of not really what is written. What is written, it says that it talks about Christ's deity. It talks about the eternal life. It talks about Holy Spirit. It talks about Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't have any problem with those things. They are definite things. They are already written down. But the division comes in a church based on what is not defined. Those areas, the Bible doesn't really say whether it is right or wrong. So most of the time we see division coming into those areas where Bible is not very clearly clear about such things. Bible is not a document that defines every bit of information on the face of this earth. No, it's not. There are known things known to us. There are things very clearly known to us and there are things which are very ambiguous, very doubtful. They are known as disputable things or doubtful things. So if you can put the first slide there. Not only within church, even within families, there are definite things both husband and wife are in agreement with. They agree with certain things. They know very well how to spend, they know very well how to lead their life, you know, where to put their children, and you know, uh, uh, how to handle their parents. They're all defined, they know very well, they are in agreement. But there are disputable things even within family between husband and wife because they differ in their opinion. Their ideas are different. That's where disagreement and arguments begin even within family. These disputable things or these doubtful things are not really essential. They are most often non-essential things. They are not very important things. They are mostly non-essential things. So today we are going to see what are those disputable and doubtful things and how can we handle with them as a church, as a family? So this morning I would like to title my sermon as Dealing with Doubtful Things. Dealing with doubtful things. This sermon will help you. This sermon will broaden your perspective, broaden your understanding on the word of God. So this morning we are going to base this sermon on Romans chapter 14. Disputable matters or doubtful things are those, they are not definitely known whether they are right 
are wrong. I want you to follow me carefully. Bible doesn't say anything about such things, whether they are right or wrong. Most of the time, they are personal preferences, their opinions, or they are our ideas. Most of the time, they are non-essential matters. They might, or most of the time, they might not help, or they might not interfere with our spiritual life. These disputable things, such as, for example, eating certain things, not eating certain things, drinking certain things, not drinking certain things, wearing certain kind of dress, wearing ornaments, or not wearing that kind of dress, or not wearing ornaments. You know, these kind of things, they often cause confusion within church, and eventually, they are capable of destroying the work of God. Within families, these disputable things are these doubtful things. They can even destroy marriages if we do not know what we are dealing with. So having a well-balanced biblical understanding on these non-essential, disputable, or doubtful things, it's very, very important to build a church life, to build a spiritual life, and to build a marriage life. Let's read Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. We may not be able to read the entire chapter, but then I want to read a couple of scriptures from there. Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let's receive... Let's read with great understanding as we read each verse. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Verse 5, Romans 14. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he give, gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God thanks. Verse 1 says, receive one another. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Receive, next slide, receive those who are weak in faith. Paul says, receive people. Receive all kinds of people. When people come into the fellowship, when people come into the church, receive them, associate with them, do not disassociate, accept them, do not reject them based on doubtful things. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Paul says, do not reject them based on things that really don't matter at all. We are not here to despise, we are not here to condemn people, verse 3 says. 
When we cannot really be selfish, chapter 15, the next chapter, verse 1 says, we cannot be really selfish in this matter. We are supposed to edify them. We are supposed to build them up. We are not supposed to tear them down, but instead, we need to build them up. That's what this chapter says. Saint Augustine, you can go to the next slide, a theologian and a philosopher and a bishop, and he said, this is what Saint Augustine said, in essentials, can you read that with me together? In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Some of you know this uh, saying already. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity or love or compassion, affection. You can go to the next slide. Verse 1 again says, receive one who is weak in the faith but not to dispute over doubtful things. Who are weak in faith? If you can go to the next slide. Who are weak in faith? Verse 1, as we said, as we read, verse 2, let's read verse 2 now. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetable. So who is weak in faith? Who eats only vegetables? I'm not saying that scripture says, right? You can repeat that boldly. Don't be afraid. Okay, who is weak in faith? One who eats vegetables. Right? So then now if you go to verse 14, we'll not go there. Weak in faith. Those who are weak in faith, they grieve easily. They are troubled easily. They are grieved easily. Verse 21 says, they are easily stumbled. Those who are weak in faith, they easily get offended. You know, they, they are further made weak. So there are people, those who are weak in faith. Verse 23 says, they doubt everything. They don't just believe because their faith is so feeble, their faith is so weak, they doubt everything. And what the stronger should do? Stronger should bear the weak. That's what scripture says. The scruples are the weakness of the weak. You know, we need to bear them up. We need to take them along with us. One who doubts, one who, one who hesitates to do certain things, and those who are strong in faith, we should not throw them away, we should take them along with us. That's what scripture says, that's what Romans 14 says, Paul says here. The strongers are having a responsibility to uphold the weak. That's what God does. That's what God does anyway in our lives. We are not the strongest we are weak, most of us are weak at times, but you know what, God doesn't throw us. Even though when we don't have faith at all, God doesn't just throw us. He lifts us up, he builds us up. That's what we are expected to do. Paul is saying in the church setup, you have all kinds of people who are weak and people who are weak in faith. Do not argue and dispute with them on over doubtful things, over things which are not definite. Even our very own family, our family members are weak at times. They get easily offended. We can't even open our mouth. They easily get offended. They grieve. The way, now we may not grieve, but there are some people in our family, our own family, they grieve for small things. We may not be physically weak, but there are some fellow family members, you know, they are physically weak. They are weak in faith. We are not supposed to argue with them. We are not supposed to 
you know, argue and come into disagreement on undisputable or doubtful matters. You know, there are many things that today we argue in the family, they are all not really necessary. And Paul is saying not to dispute over doubtful things with such people who are weak in faith. You can build a better family if you listen to Paul right now. You can have a better church than what we have today if we all listen to Paul right now. There are definite things in the Bible, areas where Bible instructs or commands us to do or not to do. There are definite areas in the Bible which well-defined, very clearly defined, but there are doubtful things in the Bible. There are non-essential things in the Bible too. There are many, in fact, non-essential things in the Bible. What are those certain things? What are those things which are definite? Can you go to the next slide? There are certain things which are definite, as I said, Godhead. Holy Spirit is certain. Creation of earth is certain. Certain things are salvation by grace. Certain things are faith through Jesus alone brings salvation. Certain things are sin, punishment, eternal heaven, eternal hell. The authority of the word of God, the inerrancy of the word of God, these are all certain things. Certain things are Jesus ascended into heaven. Certain things are that Jesus is going to come back to this world. Certain things are Jesus is going to take the church back home. Certain things are that Jesus is going to judge the nations. Certain things also include the freedom, the liberty that you have today and I have in Christ Jesus. There are certain things, but there are doubtful things. There are disputable things. Next slide, if you can go. What are those disputable things? Disputable things in the word of God are the things which are without clear approval. Without clear instruction to do or not to do. Doubtful things are the things which are left in the word of God for us to decide, for us to take decision. You know, today churches make mistakes. We all make mistakes. If you can see the next slide, we Bible clearly says, or the, a child of God clearly knows, or a church should clearly know, we must not forbid, or we must not prevent what the Bible does not forbid. Who are we to prevent? Who are we to forbid what the Bible does not forbid? We must not command what the Bible does not command. You know, this morning, I need an open heart to receive these things. You need an open heart to receive. You would not have heard that somebody telling you this way. But Bible says, we must not forbid what Bible doesn't forbid. We must not command what Bible does not command. Doubtful things are those things that we must pray about. Whether to do it or not to do it. Bible says, do not steal, do not lie. We don't really need to pray about it. Can you just go and pray, God? I'm just praying. Can I say a couple of lies? Lord, I just want praying. Lord, can I steal somebody's pen that's so beautiful? Forget pen now. Who wants pen now? Lord, that, that, that iPhone is so beautiful, so excellent, Lord. Can I steal that, Lord? Can you pray about it? And God will speak to you. God may speak to you. In a different way, right? So, so, so doubtful things are those things that we must pray about before. There are definite things. Do not steal is a definite thing. But there are doubtful things. We must pray about and it varies individually. 
Doubtful things are the things that we must apply the overall biblical principle before taking a decision. Because Bible is not very clear on those areas. But you need to apply all the Bible scriptures you know. You need to apply all the experience that you have. You need to take the help of the Holy Spirit to do, to know, to decide whether to do it or not. Doubtful things are those things which we must discern and decide whether to embrace it or to reject it. These are the doubtful things in the word of God. Disputable things are not really not established fact, fact, but they are open to question. They are open to debate. In chapter 14, Paul gives illustration about two doubtful things. Number one, food. Number two, feasts or festivals. Let's go to verse two. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Who is weak again? The one who eats only vegetables. When Paul wrote this to the church in Rome, I want you to understand the context here. They had both Jews and Gentiles. <laughs> Jews who mainly ate vegetables. Jewish law states very clearly that for a meat to be considered kosher, it must meet certain criteria. They can't just eat all the meat just like that. Meat and dairy cannot be eaten together. In Exodus, there's a scripture I just read for you. Exodus 23, 19 says, You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. That means meat and dairy cannot be mixed together. For a Jew observing these principles, they can't even eat a cheeseburger just like that because it has meat and it has dairy. When a Jew is eating meat, he must wait for six hours to eat anything dairy. They can't eat it together. So who is weak? The one who eats only vegetable. So in the earlier church, they had juice. They preferably, uh, predominantly they ate vegetables. On the other hand, we had Gentiles who came into the fellowship. You know, they, they may eat all kinds of meat. Because remember, they were once the devotees of Zeus, Astarte, Aphrodite, Asclepius, and Apollos, and various other gods and goddesses. So they used to sacrifice all these animals, cows, goats, pigeons, uh, chickens and you know even pigs they used to sacrifice to those gods and goddesses and now they all became Christ followers but their dietary restrictions have not changed they still continue so you know think about the situation Paul is talking writing to Rome church in Rome and he has their great trouble going on in the church there are only vegetable eaters and there are meat eaters they eat everything that moves on the face of this earth now, when it comes to church, this makes it very difficult. For them, it's, they're finding it very difficult to have fellowship in the early church. Because the Bible says, for one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetable. Here we are thinking, we, we need to understand Paul, a Jew, and a very strong observant of Jew, Judaism, one who follows all these dietary restrictions, he writes saying in verse 3, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats 
For God has received both. God has received him. Paul is saying, how can you reject the one who is eating only vegetables? How can you judge the meat eaters when God had accepted them? You know, we are talking about only eating, but there are various other situations which are non-essential, which resides in the churches today. All man-made stuff. All the rules and the logistics. We need to consider that in the broader perspective, but it's for us, it's easy to take one aspect of it and understand and study that. How can we reject people when God accepted them? That made me to think, that makes all of us to think, where is the liberty and freedom that we have in Christ? Are we still living in bondage? Are we still living under the law? Are we are living in the liberty? Church cannot take people back into bondage. Church cannot put conditions that are disputable, that are doubtful, which are doubtful in the Bible and reject people based on that. Jesus said, I want you to come with me to the scripture. Jesus said, Mark chapter 7 verse 15, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. It's true, even if you drink poison, it's not going to affect your soul. It's not going to affect, touch your spiritual being, touch your physical being. That's what Paul says. Nothing. Whatever he can throw into your mouth. Nothing. This is Jesus' way of saying, food cannot contaminate your soul. Food cannot contaminate your soul. But there are people, they believe that if they eat certain things or if they drink certain things, they contaminate their souls. People are saying that, but church is not saying that. Jesus is, well, Jesus is not saying that. Church cannot say that. Remember, according to chapter 10, both Jews and Gentiles are declared clean when Peter saw that vision in Corelli's house. There is freedom or liberty in Christ Jesus. You know, here is the early church believers. They tried to keep them separated based on what they eat. Today we see that the church is trying to keep people segregated based on disputable matters, based on doubtful things. Paul is trying to educate them. Paul is trying to put them together, keep them together because food is a doubtful thing. Food is a disputable thing as Bible doesn't clearly define what to eat and what not to eat. And you can't refer Bible to find out what you can eat and what you cannot. Probably you need to go to your dietitian or nutritionist or even you go to a doctor to find out what you can eat and what you cannot. Bible is not the book to refer to that. Christians have the right to eat or drink without restriction. Don't stop there. I'll come there. But Paul is not suggesting that Christians should eat or drink in such a way that they sin. Christians should not eat or drink in such a way that they sin. Paul is not approving that. For example, when you go to a restaurant, when you go to a party, you eat all that you can eat when you have a buffet system. 
We want to eat, eat to the last penny, the last cent. You want to calculate and you want to eat. Because you paid already. And you go to the restaurant, that's what we do. We eat the most possible way, the maximum that we can eat. There is nothing wrong. It's not sin eating. But there is a line when you cross the line and when you take the next bite, you have committed sin of gluttony. Because that is overeating for you. Overeating is, is a sin according to the word of God. Gluttony is a sin according to the word of God. That's where the line is. Paul is encouraging you to eat everything, anything, but do not sin. It's applicable to everything that we do today. There is a line. Even if you take one more bite or you take one more drink, you cross the limit and you sin. That's where the problem is. Next slide. Eating or drinking itself, in itself, is not sin. But eating or drinking can become sin when such behavior causes to sin or it causes someone else to sin. Are we clear? You know, this is the word of God. You can read the next slide too. Paul is saying, we have a great freedom. This is what he says. We have a great freedom. But it is not a freedom where love is absent. It's not a freedom that gives us right to sin. It's not even a freedom that gives us right to cause someone else to sin. We need to balance our life. We need to balance in every area of our life. Let's go to verse 3 again. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. We are talking about the meat eaters. Listen to me. The meat eaters and the vegetable eaters. It's not only eating. Eating is a disputable matter in the church. And here Paul says, let's not judge them. Let's not taunt them. Let's not ask, what is your problem? You know, God has accepted them. So let's not go there. For example, let's not, let's not the meat eaters, I mean, not the meat eaters or the Gentiles, let them not look at the vegetable eaters and tell them, what's your problem? Why are you not eating vegetarians? Let them not insult them by asking, brother, Christ has given you freedom. Why can't you eat meat? Why are you rejecting what Jesus accepted? Even Jesus ate fish. Why can't you eat fish? So it's kind of taunting. It's kind of insulting at times those who eat only vegetables. And Paul says, do not do that. You don't have the right to do that. Or let not the Jews look at the Gentiles and judge them saying that, oh, they are eating ugly things. So there, there is no judgment and there is no taunting happening in the church. Not only eating, in many other matters that when we are together inside the church, inside a family. They have right, they have all the right to do whatever they want to do. You know, Wendy's, if you go to Wendy's, Wendy's has a baconator. A preferred burger for bacon lovers. It has two ground beef patties with cheese and it has a six piece of crispy bacon stacked between uh, toasted buns with mayo and ketchup. Such a big, awesome burger. We are not supposed to judge others. 
know, they may be considered weak or strong because of their culture. Maybe because of the, you know, the man-made rules they follow. Because of their religious traditions, the religions that they were practicing before they came to Christ. For some reason, you know, they practice what is known as disputable or the doubtful things or the non-essential things. And Paul is saying that, do not dispute over that. Do not argue over those matters. Let's go to verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. We are not to judge them. For three reasons Paul is talking about. Number one, Lord has received the strong and the weak. Can you say that? The Lord has received both the strong and the weak. Verse three, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. So, why we cannot judge? The Lord has already received. Second reason, we don't have right to judge others. Verse 4 says, in fact, you will go there. Who are you to judge another servant as we read it? Their behavior, their freedom. You know, they are not doing it. We are not talking about their sinful behavior. That is definite. We are talking about the disputable, the doubtful behavior. Where word of God is neither black nor white. God, as children of God, God doesn't want us to judge them in those matters. And third reason why you cannot judge, the Lord upholds them. Whether they fall or they stand, it is up to the Lord. The Lord is going to take care of them anyway. Servants of the Lord. We don't have any right to judge servants of the Lord. We don't, if you don't want, go away from them. Don't talk about them. Don't write anything against them. If you don't like, go away from them. Sometimes we watch ministers of God ministering in the TV. We are not supposed to sit there and watch the TV and criticize them. If you don't like them, switch off. Turn it off. We don't have any right to question because it's up to the Lord. Fellow believers, we don't have a right to even question. We don't have a right to even, even judge our fellow believers because they are accountable the same way we are accountable. They are accountable to the master. We need to change. Church has to change. God is able to make them stand. There is a tendency in Christianity to judge. I mean, it's happening so much. On the basis of this disputable or non-essential or doubtful behavior, we base our judgment on disputable things other than the definite things as their relationship with God. We don't really judge people based on what kind of relationship they, they have with God. We don't judge people based on their love that they have for God, but instead, we judge them based on their dress style. We judge them based on their hair. We judge them based on their hair color, what they wear and what they eat, what they drink. You know, whether they wear jewelry or they don't wear jewelry, whether they wear white dress or not, whether they laugh or they don't laugh, or with the way they speak, the way they don't speak, whether they have beard or not, we judge people immediately. The presence of tattoos and the absence of tattoos whether they wear shorts or they wear pants, whether they have short sleeves or long sleeves, this is what the church is doing. You know what? People who follow Christ, 
people who are busy in the business of the Father, people who are busy in witnessing, people who are busy in involving in ministry, themselves in ministry, people who are praying, people who are going around helping children, orphan, youth, and women, you know, they don't have time to judge. The one who is not doing anything, the one who is not having any other business, any other work, those are the people they judge. And Paul is clearly saying, you don't have any right, I don't have any right to judge. Today we stand, or in other words, you know, we are doing good. Our success doesn't really depend on what others judge us. It really depends on our relationship with God. Our spiritual life flourishes, or our material life flourishes, depending on what God wants you to do, depending on how good you are in the center of God's will. Paul talked about the issue of food. Now Paul is switching gears to talk about observing days. Verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Verse 6. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. For he, he gives thanks to God. And he who does not eat, to the Lord, he does not eat. And give God thanks. The argument is really not about Sabbath day or Sunday. Coming together, worshiping, and praying are definite things. New Testament talks about it. You should not forsake the assembling of saints, assembling of believers. It's definite. It's not about the Sabbath because Old Testament clearly says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. These are the commandments of the Lord must be obeyed. There is no question. But Paul is talking about the man-made restrictions. Paul is talking about the man-made rules and the legalistic approach of the church over the believers. It's about the holidays. It's about the holy days. It's about the religious festivals. The days signified by men. Christmas, Easter, Good Friday, Father's Day, Mother's Day, Boy's Day, Girl's Day, Daughter's Day, Birthday, all death day, all these kind of kinds of days. These are disputable matters. Bible doesn't really say whether we should celebrate Christmas or not. It doesn't talk about it. So what is the point in disputing over such thing? You know, we appear to be fools when we dispute over such things which are, Bible is not clear about. They are disputable, subject to doubtful things. And Paul is talking about that now. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. So let, let's read that together. So let no one judge you. Means we cannot judge people in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. One may observe one day, one may not observe another day. It doesn't really matter as long as we keep the substance as Christ. As long as we keep substance as Christ, verse 6 again, back to Romans chapter 14. He who observes a day, shall we read together, observes it to the Lord. Four times in the scripture there is to the Lord. He observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe. He who eats, eats to the Lord and give thanks. And he does not eat to the Lord he does not eat and give thanks. Four times. 
observe a day. Do not observe a day. It's to the Lord. It has no bearing on your spiritual life. You know, we are cheated actually. Church has cheated us. The pastors have taught us wrong, saying that if you do this, you will go to hell or you will have a punishment of sin, committing a sin. It's not true. Bible is not talking about it. How can we impose which when Bible says it is not? Observe a day or doesn't observe. Both to the Lord. Eat or doesn't eat. Both to the Lord. That means do or glorify God, Christ in everything you do, whatever you do. We need to observe, put our wisdom, our discernment, our judgment, our overall scriptural understanding and decide to do. What do you want to do? Freedom. You may seek an opportunity to seek the Lord more in those days, maybe. Someone observes Lent. Somebody does, don't observe Lent. People who are observing, it may be a good opportunity for them to seek the Lord more. Maybe it's a good opportunity to have a festival, have a celebration, so that we can introduce people to Christ. The intention of observing or not observing to the Lord. Such opinions or differences are disputable. And they are in the written in the book of the law for us to know. And handle things accordingly. Paul is in effect, he is saying these issues are external and they are material. But Paul is focusing the issues that are internal and eternal. There is no point in fighting over those issues that are external and material. But it is important to spend our life, to spend our energy towards those issues that are internal and eternal. Finally, in closing, Paul admonishing the church in the following way, in the following scriptures. Let's read those scriptures, verse 19 to 23. Verse 19, he says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Paul is saying when you come together as a fellowship, as a church, don't bring those disputable things in the church. Don't bring those arguable or doubtful matters in the assembly of God because the peace will be lost. They are useless things. Do those things which will eventually help somebody to grow in Christ. That's what Paul is saying in verse 19, verse 20. I will just kind of exegete these, these scriptures and move forward. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. Let's also read from NIV. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. The argument is like whether this food is good, whether the food can be served or not, whether coffee can be served in the, inside the church or not. It's a debate, it's a disputable thing in many churches. You know, such debates will result in useless arguments. It may even stop the church from functioning. Eventually, 
the work of God is destroyed. Paul is saying, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. What does it mean? Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of such disputable things. Leave those things and move forward. Things like where we can put the carpet, whether we can color the church, this paint the church in this color or that color, where we can keep the camera, where we can put the church. You know, there are arguments and debates in the churches. And Paul is saying, those things are not important. Just move forward. Keep moving. Verse 21, it is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Read from NIV. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. All these disputable things, all these doubtful things, such as eating meat or drinking wine or having a day made special or doing something else, Bible doesn't forbid, Bible doesn't stop. But if it causes someone else to fall from his faith, maybe a new believer in Christ, if it makes an offense or it, stump, it makes someone else to stumble and go away from God, Paul says, don't do it. We need to make sure our conduct, our behavior doesn't cause someone to stumble, doesn't cause someone to fall, doesn't cause someone to hate God, doesn't cause someone to walk away from God. That's where we need to be careful. Verse 22, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, disputable things. Debatable things Paul is talking about. Verse 22 from NIV. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. NLT says, blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. Because it is a disputable thing. Bible doesn't clearly say anything about it. If you practice certain disputable things, listen to me. And in your conscience, if you are sure that it is not a sin, you don't feel guilty about those things, of doing those things. Keep it between you and God. Do not expect others to do it. This is Christian liberty. We are not talking about those that are already forbidden in the word of God. There are many things God already defined that as a sin. We are not talking about those things. We are talking about the disputable things. Verse 23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Let's read from NIV. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. Because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. If you practice certain disputable things such as eating, drinking, certain drink or having a special day. And in your conscience, if you feel that what you are doing is wrong, Paul says, keep it, keep yourself away from that. Because you are trying to do something against your conscience. If you are doing that, it is not coming from faith. And because of that, it is as sin. You are trying to do something against your conviction, then it becomes a sin for you. Freedom in Christ. If it is a law, it would have put very clearly, don't do it or do it. But this is a freedom we have in Christ on disputable matters. 
I know the sermon has become, you know, raise your curiosity. And if you want to know more about it, you talk to me personally. Ask any question that you may have. I'll be happy to answer to you. Now, we are going to conclude now because our time is up. By discussing or arguing over disputable matters or doubtful things, we are going to summarize now. Number one, can you read that with me? And if you can try to understand this, do not cause confusion. By dis discussing and arguing over the disputable matters, do not cause confusion and do anything that destroys peace. Do not do anything that doesn't help others to grow in Christ. Number three, do not destroy the work of God by debating and standing firm on those disputable things. Number four, do not make others to stumble and walk away from faith by our behavior, by our doings. Number five, keep it between you and God. Do not let others know and do not expect others to do what you are doing. As long as it is, you are convinced, as long as it is okay to your conscience, as long as that you know that you are not sinning, you can have the freedom in Christ to do what you do. Number six, if you are convinced in your heart what you are doing is right, don't feel guilty about it. Number seven, if you have a doubt whether to do it or not, better not to do it. Otherwise, you will be sinning as it is against your conscience. This morning, I tried my level best, put these scriptures in perspective for us to understand what change that you need to bring in your life, what change that you need to bring in your family, what change as a church we need to bring inside of our church. Shall we all just arise this morning as we close in prayer?